Gentlemen, welcome to No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo. He's a bad film hating while I skating all the while masturbating. That's, That's Mo Pawn, yeah. yeah. And with me as well, always is the one and only Doug Tilly. He's bow. Doug <laughs> Tilly, bow, bow, number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow. How you doing over there, Mo? <laughs> Quality intros on this episode of No Budget Nightmares. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. Wow. But uh, uh, Mo, uh, for those uh, who are unsure of uh, of how this episode is going. Mo just woke up from a, a lengthy nap. Is that correct, Mo? No, it's actually a very short nap. Very short nap. In fact, you were woken up probably by me emailing you furiously saying, "Mo, wake up. We have to record no budget nightmares." No, man. I was woken up to the sa- the sweet sound of cellos. Oh, really? Yeah, that's my uh that's my alarm. It's this cello thing. You know what my alarm sounds like? <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, that's what mine should sound like. <laughs> Sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> Mo, Mo, I'm in a good mood today, Mo. Good. Because it's February. Oh. It's a month of love, Mo. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, you know, spring is sprunging outside. I don't know if you noticed. Because of global warming, our entire climate is fucked. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say, this, this is this is quickly becoming our coldest month here. And, uh uh, most snows uh, are happening in February these days. And, most uh, snows are happening, but not <laughs> around here, not in Ontario where I live, where yeah. it's been weirdly mild. And then I think tomorrow is supposed to get like ridiculously cold because we have angered the gods <laughs> by fucking up their planet. Uh, you know, a little political message, a little SJW act- uh, action here at the beginning of this episode of No Budget Nightmares. Mo, yeah, Mo, longtime listeners of the show. Or even short-term listeners of the show will know that we recently launched a contest. We did. It was a contest to win a copy, a Blu-ray three-disc copy of The Dead Next Door Ultimate Edition by J.R. Bookwalter. Yeah, totally worth it. They should have more people should have entered. Yeah, well, that's the thing about our listeners is that they're really lazy, which is why they make no budget movies instead of you know movies where they have to <laughs> instead of real budget <laughs> instead of raising money for. No, we're not <laughs> knocking on our listeners. We love our listeners. No, we did have a contest, uh, and in fact, the contest up to this point is still ongoing in the sense that we haven't announced a winner yet. Now, uh, for those who don't recall or weren't listening, you bastards, um, the contest was very easy. All you had to do was join our Facebook group and record yourself saying a line from one of the movies featured on No Budget Nightmares. Oh, I thought you were going to keep going. Yes, that was, in fact, the... uh... I thought that was a natural end point to what I was saying. (laughs) 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 This is what Mo's like on half speed. (laughs) 
sometimes it's hard with you, man. Sometimes you'll keep going. Sometimes you stop. I, Look, and- if you want me to keep going, I'll keep going. What I wanted to say was <laughs> that, of course, one of the reasons that we're uh, doing this contest is because Mo and I do a commentary on this movie, on one of the discs of the movie. And you should, of course, check out the whole package because it is fucking amazing. It's got like a super remastered version on Blu-ray. It's got the original version that you all know and love already. It's got a third disc with the soundtrack. It really is just something wonderful. And I'm not just saying that because uh, JR gave us a copy to give away. I love the fact that there's a, uh, a, a the original VHS cut. Yeah, on, no kidding, on, right? On the disc. I think that's awesome. It's it's a win, win, win for anybody who could possibly have purchased it. Now, we do we did actually also put uh, put together a um, – <clears throat> We also had a <laughs> – let me try that. Let me try that once more. We also had a discount code for people to buy that movie or other J.R. Brookwalter movies or other movies from the Tempe Entertainment Store, and I know a lot of people took advantage of that as well. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to actually choose a winner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, I want to play a little clip. Uh, big, big fan and big friend of the show, Michael Allen Fitzgerald. You may remember him, Mo, <laughs> from his movie – uh, what was that movie again? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> it's Victor Juliet's Victor director's, director's cut. cut is what I was going to say. <laughs> we watched that on the show, and I can't remember. What did we think about that movie, Mo? Uh, we, we thought it was okay. We thought it was fine. We thought it was good, that movie that Michael Allen Fitzgerald did, because what he does is good. And one of the other things that he did that was good was enter this contest. Uh, and I'm not going to play the whole clip, but he did do a little bit of one of the monologues from our very first movie featured on No Budget Nightmares, Hip Hop Locos. Yeah. Yeah, so let's listen to a little bit of that. Hey, homes. It's time for Latinos' homes. <laughs> it's time for Mexicans' homes. You know what I'm saying? You ain't got that many motherfucking Mexicans in this motherfucking rap game, homes. No true motherfucking Mexicans, homes. Really holding down that shit for the motherfucking Gaza. Let it these motherfuckers know what's up with the barrio and shit, homes. How the fuck we live in shit. You know what I'm saying, homes? How is this our side of the fucking hood and shit? Holmes. All right. So that goes on for another minute or so. <laughs> I could listen to it for hours, to be honest. He says, he says, like, he sounds like, um, oh, who is it? Uh, Butters on, uh, on, on South Park, you know, with, the, do you know what I am saying? <laughs> well, if it. Uno Doze is listening and wants to find Michael Allen Fitzgerald, it's easy enough to do. Just go over to our Facebook group and have a little conversation with him about the appropriation of culture. <laughs> <laughs> But no, that was a, that was a wonderful entry. All the entries that we got were actually really great, really fun. Uh, and now we're gonna do a draw. Mo, I have a random number generator in front of me. Do you have like a like? Are you just gonna roll a four sided die? <laughs> I'm just gonna roll roll the dice, and we're gonna see who we get. And I'm gonna do that right now. You're listening to it live on the air, and I have a winner, Mo. What do you think about that? Oh yeah, is it one <laughs> or is it two? It is not one, but it is number two. Yay. And you know what that means? What? The winner of the contest is friend of the show, friend of all low-budget cinema, Mr. Brandon Bennett. Oh, nice. We'll be receiving a copy of the Dead Next Door Ultimate Edition sent out from Peterborough, Ontario, Canada, which is where I am uh, any day now. And, uh, and Brandon, thank you so much for being such a friend of the show and for uh, interjecting yourself into this contest he did a great line from reanimator academy for his entry which again is a classic no budget nightmares episode i talked to uh brandon about uh reanimator academy 
way more <laughs> than than any human being should talk about Reanimator Academy. Brandon was an early adopter to No Budget Nightmares and yeah. has, has been really terrific, not only getting the word out about the show, but just generally being very um, communicative over there on the Facebook group and just being an, uh, uh, a person who – his enthusiasm for low budget cinema is in everything that he does. And you know, that's we need more people like that. Yeah. He's not the rest of you lazy pricks. That myself included. Mm, especially I'm, Mo. I'm Ujima. definitely amongst the lazy pricks on this one. <laughs> Let me mention that we're recording this at eight PM at night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's okay. Everyone everyone is allowed to be lazy in the year two thousand sixteen, Mo. It's my day off. It is. It's your day off. So you should be able to sleep till 8, 9, 10 in the evening if that's no, what you want. man. I was up until 6 a.m. And, I, I, and then I fell asleep until noon. I was up for a while. I had some shit to do. And then I thought I'd get a quick nap in before the show and just happened to oversleep my alarm. That's okay, Mo. But I, I will do. tell you what it's time for. Oh. It's time for the next subject for no budget nightmares and today we have a very special movie to talk about mo porn mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. this movie is brought to us through our patreon campaign was suggested by a mr brian Berger, whose name makes me very hungry to think about um but no <laughs> all right i'm not giving you that one <laughs> well brian Berger, uh which again sounds like a delicious restaurant he Jesus. He suggested that we watch the 2015 film Jennifer Help Us, which coincidentally he also happened to produce. Ah. I know. It was directed by a gentleman named Juan Ortiz, uh, and it was filmed in Missouri. Have you ever been there, Mo? No. No? <laughs> Why do you say that in such a dismissive way? <laughs> no, man. I what? Mess, I don't mess with the flyover states. Now, is no, that... Actually, actually, in all honesty, I haven't been west of Pennsylvania, so... Now, I don't want to fuck this up. <clears throat> the the state is M-O. Is that Missouri or is it Montana? Um, We should really get this right. I should already know this, but I don't. You know what? I really don't know. Holy shit. Your school system has failed you. Um, dude. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm 18 years out of school. <laughs> it's really failed you. All right. So, uh, oh, wait. I see right here in an uh, email from Mr. Brian Berger that, uh, that, they, that he was the one who sold Juan on the idea of shooting in Missouri. There, there you go. Right, because Central Florida is lacking in the old farmhouse department. Yeah, we have some behind-the-scenes dirt on Jennifer Help Us, which is currently available to watch for free on the Jennifer Help Us website. Why do you think they did that, Mo? To get the word out. (laughs) That was a weird way for you to say that. You turned a little Kermit the Frog there at the end. (laughs) To get the word. word Um, Well... Kermit the Frog here. Jennifer. <laughs> no, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to see if I could do my Sweetums, but it was not happening. Um, yes, Jennifer Help Us is available to watch online. And there are a lot of interesting things about its background and things that make it very appropriate for no-budget nightmares. The first is its cost. Mo, do you know how much Jennifer Help Us cost to make? I don't. Just under $1,000. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, that's certainly micro-budget. And the other thing that makes it particularly interesting is that it was all shot on an iPhone 4. iPhone 4S. iPhone 4S. Oh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes, no, it was this entire oh. film was shot on an iPhone. Now, 
For those of you who watch a lot of no-budget films, it isn't that unique to see a film shot entirely on an iPhone. But I will say that one of the things that most impressed me about Jennifer Help Us was its visual stylings. It's actually yeah. a very attractive movie. Yeah, no, it looks great, even with the uh, fake film grain. It's Now, we'll talk about that, Mo. Well, well I'm sh- yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. But <laughs> Now, Mo, I have to ask you something. Have you ever seen the movie Tangerine? Um. God, you know, I feel like I have, uh, but uh, off the top of my head, I, I don't remember. Well, actually, it only just came out last year. It it, uh, it ended up on a lot of best of lists. It was also shot using three iPhones and a variety of equipment, but it oh, was one of the I, most amazing looking movies of 2015. It's a really great looking movie. Just I shows you. Seen it? It's it's on uh, it's on. Uh, I can't remember if it's on Netflix. It might be. I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, yeah, I believe it is actually. So everyone should check out Tangerine just to show, just to see what is capable with this handheld equipment that a lot of people have in their back pockets right now. But Jennifer Help Us is an extension of that. It's an extension of this idea of you know DIY in your hands, in your pocket. You have the ability to make a movie as good as this right now. Yeah, and uh, if I not recall, me, I don't own an iPhone, but you guys do. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't own an iPhone either. <laughs> um, it, I'm thinking back. There was that. Uh, there was that documentary that uh, this is not a movie. I think it's called right. That was also shot on a on a phone. That one is unique in a few different ways, though. Yeah, that one's got its own <laughs> things going on. But uh, yeah, because we have been forced to by law, we are going to talk about Jennifer Help Us from 2015. By law, mm-hmm, by law. Now uh, we should mention that just because uh, the producer the film has asked us nicely to watch this movie we are not going to fillet it we have never filleted a movie well maybe bad taste but we're not going to fillet this one oh yeah we filleted movies before but yeah well they deserved it and i'm not saying that jennifer help us is a bad movie man you, yeah, i was gonna say you're setting this movie up real, well, real what am I, rough man. What, what am i gonna do mo <laughs> it's what i do we're on no budget nightmares yeah. uh, now uh before we do get into the movie since you've already brought it up mo this movie does rely heavily on fake film grain. It's my biggest complaint with the movie. Now, be- we've seen this before in like yeah. half the movies we fucking covered. Yeah, on we, the show. yeah, it's 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 a it's a very popular thing amongst uh low budget filmmakers trying to pull off that like classic, you know, sort of um 70s look. And uh, and a lot of time, I, I'd say a lot of times, no, that's wrong. A hundred percent of the time, it does <laughs> it doesn't work. It just it they, you gotta stop using it. I will say that uh, you know the most recent movie that we had an issue with this was Hobo with a Trash Can, um, and and we've seen that in some anthology movies in general. The one of the things that we complained about when watching Hobo with a Trash Can in regards to the film grain, the fake film damage on the movie yeah. was that the, the kinds of stories it was trying to tell that that kind of damage wasn't appropriate anyway it, it wasn't like they were trying to make 70s exploitation right i will say that jennifer help us fits a little bit closer to that sort of style oh no it ab- it absolutely does like i mean i under i totally understand why they did it but think about it though with like the way the style of the film was done and and how it looked visually i mean if that fake uh if that f- fake film grain what <laughs> i can't even fucking talk to any fake <laughs> 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, no, if that fake film grain wasn't on there, I mean, it would have looked 
I mean, almost on par with like with something like House of the Devil, like sure. sty- stylistically, and it just I, it, for me it detracted. But I mean, I mean, we do say that without knowing for sure what it would look like without it. Maybe, maybe yeah. it was a way to kind of you know overcome some of the limitations. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I mean, just personal opinion, I guess. But uh, I mean, but otherwise, though, I thought I thought it looked. I mean, it's honestly, this is one of the best looking films yeah. we've. We've had in everyone throw away your handy cam and just shoot your movies on fucking iPhone. Yeah, I know it's insane. I, I feel I feel idiotic even saying that, but yeah, it's it's sort of almost true. It's it really does. This movie really does look good, and it has a very good atmosphere. Very creepy. Yeah, atmosphere. This movie has atmosphere in a way that almost none of the movies that we watch on this show do. Now, I do have a question for you, Mo Porn. Oh, what year do you think Jennifer Help Us takes place in? What year? Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I don't, I don't know. It's uh, when you were watching it. What, what decade did you think you were watching? Well, I mean, like it tries very hard to look, uh, to look like early eighties. I guess. Did you get? Did did that come across for you? Uh, yeah. I mean, not really. There's, I mean, <clears throat> there's nothing really in the movie itself that sort of dates it to a specific time or at least that I felt, you know, I mean, you know, sort of innocuous sort of vehicles. I mean, yeah, granted they're, they're sort of like eighties range cars and trucks, but I don't know, nothing, nothing that screamed out to me. This is when this takes place. Well, I was told by Brian that this movie takes place in 1979, Oh, which is, the thing is, now that he he said that, and I read that, I'm like, okay, yeah, I guess it could. But yeah. I will say that while watching it, I did not think it was a period piece at all. I thought it took uh, place in 2015. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It- which is which is funny because everything you said is true. There are no markers that it takes place any time after that. No one's using a cell phone. The cars no. are all vintage, so to speak, of of yeah. that era. But uh, but while I was watching it, I just never, I just never thought for a moment that it was supposed to take place in the late 70s. Yeah, I never, I never would have thought that, you know. But what, what am I to say, man? I was, you know, four months old when the seventies ended. I was non-existent. <laughs> I barely exist right now, and it's thirty-six years later. Sorry, I was seven months old when <laughs> from the seventies, and I had to, I had to do the math real quick on my fingers. Now, what genre would you say Jennifer Help Us fits into, Mo? Uh, it's like a. I don't know. It, it kind of it, it, it. Most of the movie feels a bit like a, like a, like one of those like a slow burn thriller type thing. Sure, but obviously there's horror, the horror elements to it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd say I'd say more more thriller than anything else. This but is very, thriller. Yeah, but very very slow burn. Very deliberate inside a corpse's shell. Jesus, dude. <laughs> That was my Vincent Price. What did you think? <laughs> uh, it's pretty bad. Oh, yeah. No kidding. <laughs> JHU Pictures presents Jennifer Help Us. I'm going to guess that the JHU stands for Jennifer Help Us. John Horatio Umber. <laughs> I'll tell you. The- <laughs> I don't know what e-liquid you're using right now, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> But it's coming through across the microphones. Uh, yes, JHU Pictures presents a guy with a shotgun because that's how the movie starts. A guy mm-hmm. throws a shotgun in through a window into a very dilapidated-looking house. 
Really? Would you, would you say it was dilapidated? That house was a fucking mess. It was amazing, actually. It's a pretty terrific. Like, it looks like everything has fallen off the ceiling onto the floor. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it was like if um, Lionel Richie, you remember in his video for Dancing on the Ceiling? <laughs> yes. It was like if everyone was dancing all the, on the ceiling, <laughs> but in the ruckus, they knocked all the stuff from the ceiling onto the floor. Yeah. Maybe if the camera tilted up a little bit, you would have seen Lionel Richie in the opening. What do you think? Hello. Yes. Is it Lionel Richie you're looking for? Exactly. So this guy goes inside this old dilapidated looking house. We don't know who he is or what his bag is. Uh, and yeah, and, and in all honesty, I mean, we we find out who it might be, but we know there's who it is. do we really? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Don't we? I think we do. I mean, we know who it is because of the closing credits. Oh, I knew who it was at the end of the movie. Yeah. I guess. Mo doesn't always put two and two together on these things. I, yeah. Well, well I mean, there, 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 are, there are several men mentioned in the movie, and it could have been any one of them, and it wasn't until the closing credits rolled that I'm like, oh, that's who that was supposed to be. Well, I figured the one that is referred to as a rapist is probably the one that we're dealing with here. Yeah, I guess. All right. Anyway, this guy <laughs> goes into this house. He sort well, of looked. Well, well, just to cut you off there for a second, that is the one of the biggest things that this movie suffers from. And it's, of course, you know, one of our biggest pet peeves in, in low budget cinema. And that is not introducing characters. I mean, it's. Yeah. Yes, you are absolutely right, Mo. Though they, eventually they do. I mean, eventually we learn what everybody's name is, but it's. 40 minutes into it. But a, I mean, remember, it, and this is to a 70 minute movie that we find out what anybody's name is. This is something we've talked about before. I don't think viewers care. It's I, only people like us taking copious amounts of notes where we're <laughs> trying to refer to people. That's where it's a big deal. <laughs> no, but, it, but you know what, though? In this case, I didn't take copious notes because they're, I mean, honestly, they're. I mean, everything that was happening was happening so slowly. You could get away with like a line instead of like the five or six lines you would normally need to do. Um, so in this particular case, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, who are these people? You know, <laughs> uh, but we, we, like you said, it, it eventually gets to it. It does. Uh, yeah. So this douchebag <laughs> throws a shotgun on the floor, climbs into this house, picks it up, is looking around a little bit, and uh, he finds a little bit of blood on the floor. Mm-hmm. He drops a shotgun shell for his gun like a fucking idiot. And then we get a first-person view of somebody with an axe. Very, this, very... This is honestly the worst shot in the entire The movie. worst shot in the entire movie by yeah. a thousand percent. It should yeah. not be there. What were you thinking, Brian Berger and Juan it's, Ortiz? It's true. It's true. This is this is without... Like, honestly, because the, we're, t we're, I mean, we're like less than like three minutes into the movie at this point it fucked and me up a little bit because i was like oh no but then that's not what the movie is at all yeah thank thank goodness because i i honestly until we just mentioned it right now i had completely forgotten about that shot but it really is the worst shot in the so movie. let's talk about it a little more now we've seen in a, in a, might i might i add in a movie filled with beautifully composed shots right this is the worst shot so this is the classic slasher movie POV shot, except through a mask, which we'll yeah. be introduced to in just a little bit, even though we don't know it at this point. But the eye holes have been kind of superimposed on the shot. Yeah. So they look really, really bad. They would it's, have been way better off just leaving that that the eye hole part off of it altogether. Yeah. And just which, which, which they do which they do later in the film. Yeah. 
actually, again, in regards to that character, because they show him sort of walking down the down mm-hmm. down a hall, and you just see the shotgun in sort of a classic Doom style, you know, POV. I mean, I get it. it's sort of a bait and switch. I mean, and not in a bad way, but really, it's a case where. This beginning, the the pre-credit sequence, sets you up for a traditional slasher movie, but that is not what this movie is going to provide. Yeah, uh, also the fact that it's that it's wrong, because when we get to the end of the movie, that's not the person who actually did it. Unless my head's wrong. In- Your head is wrong, Mo, and we'll talk about that. Okay, because no, I... No, you're right, but you're wrong, and we will talk about it. I'm glad that we're going to have this conversation, because yeah, we can maybe- really work out what was going on in this movie. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe I screwed something up. I no, you know. didn't. You didn't. It's, it's intentionally made to be... Uh, yeah, it, it, you're not supposed to know for sure, but I will explain to you how you're wrong. Once right, we get to that, that. That's fine, man. That's uh, fine. Opening credits. Red on black, it actually looks terrific. Yeah. It's got that um, – I always think of it <laughs> – this is a weird way to describe it. But I always think of it as Giallo vision because in all those 1970s trailers for uh, Giallo movies, there's always um, kind of inverted colors except instead of it being like black and white, one of the colors is like a bright like red or a bright like blue. In this case, it's a car driving but it's like all in stark red with black uh, for all the rest of the colors, filling it right. out, and it looks really terrific. Yeah, I'm happy. And also, there's this great organ music. In fact, I like the music in this movie. The music in it is really good. It is sort of all over the place. Yeah, um, but the synth stuff in particular is really good. And yeah, I peeked at the credits, and Mr. Kevin McLeod makes an appearance as per usual. <laughs> <laughs> Low budget movie, <laughs> but they have they have songs from all over the place, and you can tell that there was a lot of work put into making that soundtrack work. And it's good. And especially one piece of synth music, which we'll play a little bit later. Then we go right into a rock and roll music song playing on a radio in a car that's driven by... I was confused with the number of people in this car, to be honest with you at first. Um, But there are three women in it. Right. Well, how many did you think there were? Well, there's a weird shot that shows what I thought was like the back of the car. Uh-huh. Which showed three of the girls, but it looked like the driver of the car was somebody different. I got, I just had a weird disconnect from what was going on. But what, oh. what's happening is there are three, uh, I guess late teenagers, high school ish age, uh, women arriving at, uh, at what is a very old looking farmhouse. Yeah, I don't think they're supposed to be high school age. Maybe I think early college, to, something like that. I think they're, yeah, I think they're post. High school. Look, anyone younger than 30 to me is high school age. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, I'm with you there. <laughs> so, so, uh, get off my lawn. We, uh, we don't know what their, their deal is at this point, but they stop by the building, they get out, and one of them is worried about how they're going to get in, and the other one says, Don't worry, I have a key, and she has a crowbar, and that's how they're going to break in. Oh, uh, I and, see how they do it. And there are some suggestions that some sort of horrible event took place in that house. Mm hmm. Well, let's talk about the horrible event that took place in the house, Mo. What was it? What was the horrible event? Mm-hmm. Uh, a uh, woman killed herself while her child looked on. Yeah, which is horrible. I mean, no doubt about it, right? Pretty horrible, yeah. But it's not that horrible. <laughs> That's true. Only, I mean, technically only one person died. Well, I just mean, look, that is a really rough thing. And I don't want to discount how traumatic that would be. But it's not like... If someone tells me, you know that old house down the street, something terrible happened there. What I would think is like, 
30 people were murdered in it and like their brains were splattered all over the wall. Right. You think Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You don't, well, think, I just mean, you don't think mommy's depressed. I just mean, you know, I live in a, <laughs> I live in a, a city with a shitty economy. So people kill themselves all the time and yeah. you don't just condemn their houses and close them down. Uh, but in this case, I guess it was a pretty big deal for this community in Missouri. Right. Missouri. You can't spell misery without misery. <laughs> so, uh, as you mentioned before, Mo, it's hard to refer to these three girls by their names at this point because they're not quite introduced. But we'll tell you their names right now. There is a uh, let's actually describe them first. Who are the three girls that we're looking at? Okay, uh, you've got sort of the two underlings. Uh, one of them uh, looks like she could be Hispanic. I'm guessing, uh, <laughs> and her name's Mindy. Uh huh. Uh, then we have uh, sort of a uh, curly-haired, I believe she's redhead, uh, named mm-hmm. Pegs. Pegs, that's her name. It's a strange name, Pegs. Well, she's really into uh, – never mind. Um, and uh, <laughs> and then we've got the the sort of ring la- – The Kanye leader. special, you mean. Yeah, the, the <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> yes. Um, and then we've got the ringleader of the, uh, of the group who uh, looks a bit like um, – oh, I can never remember her name – the um describe her mo th- th- uh ricky lindholm from garfunkel oh yes of course yeah, yeah she does look a little bit like yeah, ricky she lindholm has, yeah she has, she looks a bit like her uh and her name is tara i believe tara that's right so it's tara pegs and mindy are these three girls as you mentioned tara is the ringleader the other two are her underlings mm-hmm. so they go up to the attic uh, we again, we don't know what's really going on at this point but uh but there seems to be some sort of insinuation that um, that they're it, it's all really confusing at this point until we know what the plot is. But there's some insinuation that they have to do something, and right? We don't know and, what it and, is. Yeah, and they're all talking about how like uh, how they've all heard of the house before, but they but none of them have ever actually been inside of it, right? Uh, that one of them was like, "Well, I knocked on the door once," you know, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, I mean, the, but they all go into the house without any real hesitation. And then they have this conversation, which we don't know what it's going to lead up to, but we'll talk about it right afterwards. Mm-hmm. Are we good girls? Of course we're good girls. We're doing this because we're good girls. Then let's go do some good. Oh. Mm. And what is the good that they're going to do, Mo? <laughs> My note on here says, I have no idea what the hell <laughs> talking about. Well, I'll tell you. The, the good that they have to do is that in the back seat of the car that they just arrived in, not the back seat, sorry, the trunk of the car, mm-hmm. there is a girl there, and she's tied up. And they have a plan, which is vaguely defined in the film, to take this girl and bring her up to the attic of the house and tie her to a chair and leave her there for the weekend. Right. Why? I wish I had any idea. Now, it's to scare her, right? Well, yeah, it's I mean, teach I, her a assume, yeah, I was going to say, I would assume it would be to scare her, yeah. Now, the suggestion, very strong suggestion here, is that this girl, who is actually the titular Jennifer, uh, Jennifer slept with Tara's boyfriend. That's a loose way of putting it. Well, that's what Tara says. Yeah, that's what Tara says. Jennifer would say something different. Right, exactly. (laughs) But that's what Tara believes. So that is the reason for what they're doing. Because this girl slept with her boyfriend, they're going to take her up. And and strap her to a chair and leave her there for the weekend. And is that their end game? Is just to freak her out and you know commit like a really horrible crime? And they think they're just going to get away with it. I guess I have no idea. Yeah, I'm I'm a little 
iffy on what the end game was on the whole thing. They they don't seem to be looking to kill her at this point right. because if they were going to do that, why not just do it? Yeah, <laughs> right? exact, exactly. You know. So uh, they um, they they bring her up to the attic, tie her up, and all that, and then they come back down to the car to leave. And before the women leave, they actually have a uh, another interesting conversation about what they expect. We're not going to leave her here all weekend, are we? Yeah. You know she's going to be covered in piss when you get back. I'm the victim here. The punishment is my sin. So that's actually a really good way of describing or kind of introducing these three characters. Peggs is the sympathetic of the three girls. Right. She's more sympathetic, right? She's very uh, meek compared to Tara and Mindy. Mindy really does just go along with whatever Tara says. Yeah. And and that's how they are basically going to play out for the rest of the movie. We uh, we should mention at this point that there's very few sound clips that we have for this movie because there's very little dialogue in the movie. Yeah. This, this movie definitely plays a lot more on uh, visual creepiness than – more than anything else. But and, and in fact, much of the story that is taking place, we've already talked about. That's uh, true. But, but we're going to get into good, the kind good of – Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into the more horrific moments of it in, uh, in just a second. So um, I actually had in my notes right now that, that because of the throwback nature of some of the plot, I didn't really mind the film grain as much. I kind of forgot about it as I was watching the movie. Yeah, I kind of did too. I did get confused though, Mo, and maybe this is just me, about how much time was passing. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, the timeline of this movie makes no fucking sense because they say they're going to leave her there for the full weekend, but it feels like – it feels like they're back way earlier. Right. But based on some of the things that Jennifer says as the movie progresses, it feels like she's been there a lot longer. Right. Because there'll be sometimes when she like go to a room and then they'll show it turn from day from night to day. Right. So but you don't know what she's been doing for like eight hours. Exactly. <laughs> she's just been sitting there. So these women leave, the three girls. Uh, Jennifer is still tied up. She actually ends up falling asleep, I guess. Uh, I, I feel like she could have escaped. <laughs> she could have. If she tried a little harder, but you know. Yeah. But then another car pulls up to the house. Mm. And another woman gets out of this car. And she actually has a key and goes on inside. This is actually what I. This is actually really well done. It looks really nice. There's this sound of rain hitting the roof, which is a really nice sound effect. I know that yeah. seems like a really simple thing, but it just makes this whole process, which is someone exploring this house again, it makes it that much more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Then she goes out and gets like cans of gasoline out of the trunk of her car, goes into a shed and like turns on the generator. It's all kind of like step by step, but uh, but it's a nice like kind of level of detail. Then we see her go upstairs. She obviously knows this house well. She pulls out a drawer, and behind the drawer is, like, a dress. Yeah, I think there's – yeah, yeah, exactly. And then a little bit later, the suggestion is, the woman is then walking around the property, and she finds what's a very important part of this movie, which is a weird mask. Yeah, it looks – it almost looks like uh, – it almost looks like a rabbit but made out of bone. Now, the history of this mask uh, isn't that interesting. <laughs> No, <laughs> no, no. What I mean is that uh, I asked Brian uh, about the mask, and he said that it was actually his idea because when he was a kid, he once found a cow's skull, 
And he was convinced that it was actually an alien skull and brought it to his father, who, of course, called him a fucking idiot. Maybe not using those words. It's like, that's a cow skull, you moron. <laughs> it's a cow's heart. They're making a monkey out of <laughs> but, but, uh, but many years later, he remembered that incident and suggested using the cow's skull for a mask. So they actually um, attached it to a welder's mask in this case. So this woman puts on a weird mask with a cow's head on it. It's creepy as shit. It is creepy it, as it, shit. It is like creepy as all hell. Like anybody who's in the group, if you saw the picture that I posted sure. earlier, man, what a fucking creepy shot. And this whole movie is just filled with shit like that. Yeah. So like, the best shots in the movie are the one where ones where people are moving as little as possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like her, like not posing necessarily, but like empty hallways with her yeah. wearing the mask right at the end of it, that sort of thing. Exactly. And the other kind of item of interest that's introduced here is a toy car. Yeah, like a little dump truck. We see someone place a toy car by a window, and that is something that's going to come back again and again. But we'll we'll get to that in just a little bit. So this is where I mentioned like the time difference that's occurring. We then switch right to the next day because it's daytime again. And presumably we, the next day. Presumably the next day. And then we see the woman – uh, in the wearing the dress and the mask, and she's basically dancing in front of the building. Yeah, it's. I mean, again, creepy imagery. It actually works really well. Yep. Um, and then we get. I mean, really, I think that's we're supposed to suggest like the whole day was just her, I guess, dancing around outside. Yeah. Uh, and then we get the next day. I think. I mean, that's what I would do if I had that mask. I would just <laughs> dance around my neighborhood. And the girls return. The yeah. three girls from the beginning, they return in the car. This actually, by the way, this, we talk, we're going to talk about the photography a lot, but the shot from the roof as they return uh, was re- a really, really nice work. I mean, again, there's a lot more inventiveness in the photography here than we see in most no-budget movies. Yeah, it's true. So they, uh, they park and they get inside, and as they walk upstairs, they find the truck that we just mentioned, the toy truck, on the floor upstairs, and Tara loses her fucking mind. Right, because she's certain that somebody, that one of the two underlings had told somebody and that somebody had come to the house. And, you know, so now she's even more concerned that they're going to be found out about it. And, of course, she targets Pegs because, again, Pegs is obviously the meeker of them. And she's like, she puts the pressure on. She's like, who did you tell Pegs? And you know what? She's right. Pegs did tell somebody. Yeah, she told her brother. Is that what she said? Yeah, and her brother is best friends with Billy. And Billy is the boy, Mo. Yes. Billy. 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 Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Billy. By the way, I believe in this sequence is the first time we re- it's revealed that Jennifer is the name of the person in the act. Yeah, this is where we find out that the girl's name is Jennifer. So um, they uh, basically Tara is saying to Pegs that she's ruined everything. And she then threatens her that she's going to uh, bring her down to the basement and lock her into the basement, just like they've locked Jennifer upstairs. In fact, this is the words that she uses. Why? Don't leave me here. There's a door open. And you're going to stay there like a fucking dog. You have to say anything. What the fuck is with that truck? Somebody knows. And we don't know who knows. Mo, what did you think of the acting quality in this movie? Oh, see, I actually have a note on that. Let's uh, hear it. 
actually it happened right here after the scene. It says it just per- says acting good, <laughs> acting okay. <laughs> no, it's just the performances in this are a little over the top, but they really work. Yeah, they work. I think uh, Tara is probably the best of all of them. Um, yeah. Jennifer has some lines a little bit later that are really difficult to deliver, yeah. uh, and she's fine. But I think Tara, because she has to play someone who basically is histronic right from the beginning. Uh, that, that that performance works a lot better. Oh, big words. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> English degree is uh, paying off <laughs> here on our no-budget movie fucking podcast. <laughs> so they drag Peg uh, Pegs downstairs. They slam her against the wall. Uh, Tara and makes her lip bleed, and uh, she's all freaked out. Um, and then what happens is that Tara yells to Mindy to get the door, but Mindy has vanished. Mindy is nowhere to be seen. Mindy is nowhere to be found. Uh, and so in the kind of uh, confusion here, um, Pegs gets away and runs up to the attic, I guess, to warn Jennifer or try yeah. to get her an escape. And as she's doing that, the, the, uh, from behind, the, the woman with the mask grabs her. Yes. Yeah. And it's really creepy and it's really well done because you hear her screaming her fucking head off. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's weird in this movie how few... It's weird how many opportunities there are for people to escape that they never do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just, I mean, Jennifer has a different sort of, of idea of what she's doing, but it, it is, it is kind of strange how it all kind of plays out. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, we're going to talk about that ending in some amount of detail. <laughs> so Pegs is, is captured and, uh, and then it just kind of switches to the next day. Yeah. This was a weird one for me. It's yeah, it's a weird sort of time hop, but yeah. So we we basically we get to the, uh, we get to I guess uh, presumably the next day, and now they're all sort of tied up in the basement. Right. So at some point during that twenty four hours, the mask lady, which is how I'm going to have to describe her for the rest of this movie, I call her Skull Girl in my notes. Skull Girl is a way better name, but yeah. unfortunately, I've written the words mask lady, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but the Skull Girl. Um, uh, she must have, have captured the other ones, but we don't see it. But also, over that, like, 10-hour period, I guess Jennifer was just, like, hanging around. Yeah. That would have been a really good opportunity to escape. Yeah, because one of the things we we failed to mention is – and this is one of the other reasons why the lapse in time, may, we don't really have any sense of when it is. Because uh, in the previous scene where the other girls are getting uh, captured – Jennifer is untying herself. She's, yes. She's free at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And in fact, in this sequence now, we see her kind of looking around the house, even trying to come down to the basement. But she hears a noise and runs back upstairs and hides in a closet. And there's a, a tease where the um, skull woman comes up um, upstairs and it seems like she's going to see her for a second. But then she ends up going to the attic and finding the chair up there, which right. probably would be um, traumatic for her. I guess maybe we should make it very clear to the the people listening right now. The Skull Woman is the little girl who saw her mother kill herself. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there's ever supposed to be any any. Uh, no, it's that. Otherwise. Yeah, that that's one of the few things in this movie that's completely not ambiguous at right. all. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, no, because there's a moment. Uh, yeah, because it's actually at that moment where where she goes upstairs and sees uh, the chair that she has the sort of flashback. Uh, you know, rem- uh, reminding her of sort of what happened. Right. And it makes yeah. it clear to us. And in fact, I liked 
the yeah, fact it's very that- it's very clear that the skull girl is the is the the little girl from and not to mention the fact that we get a flashback, a flashback scene that's right of her wearing the mask as a little girl too so and the thing is it i like that they make the the suicide element of it clear by just using flashes as opposed to like really spelling that out right. actually i actually do like that yeah yeah definitely so um they 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 tease the that the mask lady is um is going to find uh Jennifer but she doesn't uh then we see the truck being placed once again and um then a car drives off and we discover by the way that the skull woman the mask lady she's actually driving around in her car yeah <laughs> we're in the mask i think no 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 she she's not she, and th- and and this is one of the things that i think they do really well is they never when when the when the 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 skull woman or the woman as she's credited uh <laughs> when she's not like in the house like when she's in the house she's wearing the the yellow dress and she's got the skull on um when she's out she's in normal garb uh and but, but they never show her face that's right they do it's, a very oh, good job now yeah, when it's she's in the shadow or from behind when or, she arrives at certain locations she puts on the skull mask again right exactly yeah so um i should mention by the way we should talk just briefly about the house itself because the house that this takes place in is pretty terrific yeah and in fact i guess it's several houses as you can probably imagine uh brian in his uh some of his communication with me mentioned that they had a house that they had prepped to shoot in. And in fact, they had done all their blocking and they were all prepared to shoot it. And I guess it was the, it belonged to the mother of a school friend of his. They went for the first day to shoot and the woman locked them out and had, I guess, like a breakdown or something and did not allow them on the property. And she was crying and shit. Uh, Jesus. So they had, and of course everyone was freaking out. So Brian had to then track down before noon that day uh, a a different location for them to shoot at. And I guess they first they got exteriors, and then uh, he talked to a realtor and uh, found a, another house for them to shoot in in, like, a very short amount of time. But, yeah, so it's amazing that they got as much um, production value out of the locations as they did, considering how, how that must have been. Yeah, no, they did a really good job with uh, with what they ended up getting. So Jennifer, now that uh, the mask lady is gone, she explores the house a little bit and finds all three of the girls tied up in the basement. Right. And um, at one point, at one point, Jennifer looks out the window and the mask lady is is pulling up again. And then it just shows her, I guess, then she goes down and and talks to Tara. Yeah. And this is where we ex- it explains, I guess, the sort of the reason why Jennifer is sticking around. Let's listen to a little bit of it and then we'll just talk about it. In fact, I might even be a ghost in this house. And if what you were telling me is true, and our friend thinks I'm her mother, well, then you three are fucked. I know what I'm doing here. Your boyfriend's a rapist, and you're a crazy bitch. I get it. But you, Tara... Maybe I should have cut it off before that last little bit. Uh, but, but now this has become like now a kind of twisted revenge movie. Jennifer right. is in some way controlling the Skull Lady. She is placing the truck around the house and leading her to places and basically leaving messages for the mask woman. Well, I don't think she's actually started leaving messages. Not yet, at, but it will yeah. in a moment. But yes. she, but but it's in that scene where she's sort of talking to Tara about it, where she's like, "I wonder what I, how much I can get away with." Right. Here. Yeah. And in fact, and it turns out she can get away with pretty much anything. <laughs> pretty much anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
I mean, it might be a bridge too far to think that you that she is so able to control this woman, but you know, it's within the rules of the universe that they've created here. Right, right. So, speaking of that message, <clears throat> she decides to send one. <laughs> uh, yeah. And she does it in what can only be referred to as the most explicit way, more explicit than a lot of the things in this movie, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, what do they? What What does Jennifer do? In this sequence, Mo. See, I knew you were going to throw it off to me for this one. Uh, so, yeah. So, she grabs a uh, rag or something to that effect. Uh, I'm assuming it's supposed to be just a regular rag. Uh, Is that st- what she does? I don't know. I'm really... I thought, and I apologize you're... if I fe- if I come off like a fucking idiot for thinking this. Uh, what did you think? It was like a maxi pad? Yeah, something like uh. that. Yeah, see, no, because she had it in her hand when she put her hand down her pants. Yeah, I couldn't. I just, it was really hard to tell. Yeah, that. I just thought it was a piece of cloth. But yeah, it's definitely period blood. Period <laughs> blood. Yes, that, that she uh, that she gets onto the the rag and writes. Uh, a <laughs> Sorry, she mess. gets on the what now? So she's on the rag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, men. Um, yes, and uh, leaves a little message. Uh, who is it over? It's over Mindy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She must be have, having a heavy flow month. <laughs> Seriously. <it's, laughs> because she's able to uh, write quite legibly with her period blood on the wall. Yeah, she, and she writes, kill her. Yeah, I didn't know what she was writing at first. I'm glad that they later showed us because I was worried that I was supposed to know. Well, I, I, saw, like, I saw the K because when she does the motions for the K, it's pretty clear. And I'm like, all right, so she's probably just writing kill. But yes. uh, no, she writes, kill her. So uh, she's basically leading the skull woman to Mindy right. with, with the truck, with the truck. And, and then with the blood, uh, which we find out later, using blood was not necessary, um, with the no. message to say, kill her. Yep. And I guess, well, she hopes that the woman can read. Um, <laughs> and uh, then we actually get a little bit of time with the masked skull woman uh, as she's kind of walking through the house. And this is when she we get the flashback that you mentioned before, Mo, which is right. basically her as a young girl skipping through a field. She finds the animal skull in the bushes. And she's actually carrying the truck, uh, you know, just to make it all very clear. She sees a young boy. And then she's like wearing the skull on her head. She comes up behind him with a stick and then he runs away from her. Now, Mo, I have to ask you a question that I feel bad about asking. What? Did the boy fall down a well? That's what I would – that's presuming – that's what I was presuming happened. It looked like that's what we were supposed to think. Yeah. But it – that's kind of ambiguous, but I, uh, why other reason is she looking down a well, I guess? Yeah, e- exactly. I mean, and like there's broken boards over the well, so pr- presuming that what happened was the little boy fell down the well. Hey, Mo! Yeah. What about that boy fell down the well? <laughs> oh, well! <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so the boy fell down the well. I guess that was the beginning of some of her trauma or maybe her connection to both the skull mask and the truck. I can't believe you fucking called back to uh Oh well to that of all fucking things. All right. Friend of the show Scarlet Fry and his film Scarlet Fry's what was it? Uh drive-in This is the second one you've forgotten. Yes, uh Junk Food Horror Fest. Junk Food Horror Fest. I'm allowed to forget that one. Stop making me remember this shit. <laughs> Nobody put in an entry saying that line unfortunately. No. So uh, then we see the mask lady leaving what looks like like an abandoned church. Uh, it's or another really great location. Maybe it's just another like small shack. But I thought it was a church. No, 
I don't even know what you're talking about. Well, this is we see her like leave another building. Uh, it, it, it while I guess it's right after this flashback occurs. There's also a really great piano bit of music that plays throughout this part as well. Mm. Anyway, the main thing is that she then goes to the basement where the three girls are struggling as they see her, especially because they know that someone has written "kill her" <laughs> on the wall in period blood, which right. just can't be good for them. No. Then we see the mask lady go over to a tool bench, and this is a pretty sweet tool bench. It's pretty awesome. I mean, there's just like an arsenal of uh, just shit that will fuck you up. Yeah, just all the chain. There's a chainsaw, of course. Uh, honestly, there's a, there. It's. I thought it was just kind of sad how little of the things on that you know on that wall got used. Yeah, right. Uh, there's only two things that get used off that wall, and they're the two coolest things. So I'll give them that much, but. Uh, yeah, they could have they could have switched it up a little bit, but uh, yeah, she she ends up filling up a wheelbarrow full of uh, full of all these implements of death and brings them back and dumps them out on you know in front of uh, in front of Mindy. Right, which would not make Mindy or, very happy. No, no, I'm sorry, they dumped them out in front of Pegs. Right, that's right. Yeah. So, um, oh yeah, is this yeah no because yeah so Pegs is first is that no, right? no Min- Mindy's first. Okay, Mindy's first. For, sure. for some reason, they dump all the all these you know, old farming tools in front of pegs. So what is the main tool that she grabs right now, Mo? I, you know, I'm not entirely certain. It sort of, of looks of, sort of, of like it's... A, a giant, almost like a bolt cutter that's been ripped in half. So it's just like a stabbing implement. No, no, no. All right. never mind. No, you know what it is? It's, um, it's a, uh, I don't know. I can never remember what the fuck it's called, but it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's essentially, it's a blade. It's a big blade on the end of an ax handle uh, it's a real farming tool. I just can never remember what the hell it's called. Mo? But what? Sometimes motherfuckers are just trying to ice skate uphill. Yeah, I, I, what? <laughs> motherfuckers ice skating uphill. What are you talking about? Blade. Oh, I get it. See, I, it's been literally 15 years since I've seen <laughs> that movie. So. And also, I misquoted it pretty horrifically just then. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's a it's a blade. Um, <laughs> it actually looks a lot more like like if it was like if you took half of a uh, lawnmower blade and, and attached it to an something axe like handle, that. But yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah it's, so it's, it's a it's a stabbing implement. It's a cutting implement. Well, in the case of this movie, it's a stabbing implement. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah that's, a, that's what it gets used for. So not, not to uh, belabor the point, but uh, Mindy gets stabbed to death with this fucking thing. Right. And uh, we don't actually see the stabbing. It, it's kind of hidden by a doorframe. Um, but we do see Mindy's corpse covered in blood. So she's dead. Right. The other girls scream, as you would if you were seeing your friend stabbed to death by some sort of weird implement that we can't find the name of. Yeah, I'm actually trying to find it right now, but keep going. No, no, let's all just sit around while you find out what it's called. <laughs> so, um, a little bit later, and again, there's the time jumps in this movie can be a little bit confusing. Jennifer is walking around the house once again. I guess she's really familiar with that upstairs at this point. Maybe right. she wanted maybe a bite to eat or something. <laughs> I mean, she's been there, I guess, for like three or four days now. Yeah, uh, I was going to say it's it is several days at this point. And she hears the sound of some sort of weird kind of roaring or motor noise. Yeah. And she's like, what is that? What could it possibly be? But Mo, you and I, we had an insight in what that likely was. It was a fucking chainsaw. It was a fucking chainsaw. And you don't need to go to Texas to have a chainsaw massacre, Mo. You can have one in Missouri. (laughs) (laughs) The Missouri. (laughs) 
And the mask lady comes upstairs, and she is covered in blood. And the reason she's covered in blood, Mo, is that she was chainsawing the corpse of Mindy into small pieces that she could transport in garbage bags. It's true. Which is pretty smart. I'll tell you, this mask lady, she's pretty sharp, uh, you know, overall in terms of getting rid of the evidence. I don't know why she cares. I don't know what her end game is or how long she's right. planning on staying at this house or where she came from or anything really. But she did put all the body parts in a plastic bag and put them in the trunk of her car, which of course is the safest place to put a plastic bag full of body parts. Yeah, I mean, you know, good for her, I guess. So uh, while she's out, Jennifer, who has not uh, finished her um, uh, revenge scheme, she then places the truck near Peg's. And this time, I guess she's out of period blood. She must have run empty. <laughs> she wow. uses a rock to scratch kill her on the wall. That's how she's sending the message to kill her. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's called the bill hook, by the way. Oh, what is it? The, the item that we were talking about. It's called bell a bill hook. A bill hook. Bill. Who's Bill? I don't know. All right. But that's uh, what it's called. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll do a little research on that a little later. It doesn't sound right to me. It sounds it big. Is, it sounds made right. up. <laughs> so Pegs is like freaking the fuck out. But then shit changes. Tara gets Pegs, helps her out of the basement, and they run off, and it's, oh, no, it's a dream. <laughs> it's, it was all a dream. It was obviously a fucking dream right from the very second it started. And I can't even get too upset about it because there was not one second that I thought it was taking place. But Mo probably got very upset about it. I, I was thoroughly upset. I was like, oh, they're they're getting away. Yeah, Stop. they're getting away. Stop them, Skull Woman. <laughs> I just, about halfway through this dream sequence, I turned the movie off. And I was like, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> <laughs> the end. I'll get the authorities. <laughs> but no. I'll, I'll show you, Skull Woman. <laughs> but no, Pegs is still all tied up. And she's all fucked up. And she's in big trouble. And she's in especially big trouble because as she wakes up, she hears a motor sound. And that ain't good. No. Because the mask lady is standing over her and the words kill her are written on the wall. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think the last time she heard uh, she heard that particular motor running, it was uh, not too good for Mindy. So, yeah. That's right. That's right. That's very true. Yeah. So explain to me. Okay, we get a POV shot now. And we see the mask lady with the chainsaw, and she has like she puts it over her head, a la Phantasm Two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she slashes with it, and the whole camera view, like the POV shot, it tilts over. It's because she sliced her head off, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's supposed to be a first person shot of Pegs. Yeah, uh, it, with her getting her head cut off. Getting her head cut off. It was pretty cool. Actually. I liked the camera view, uh, though I didn't get that it was supposed to be her head because I'm an idiot. But really? Once, yeah, like right at first I didn't. How did I get that and you not? Well, I did get it, Mo. it works the other I, way around. I must have gotten it since I told you it before you said it. Shut up. <laughs> but yeah, she cut her fucking head off, but we don't really get to see the head. That's a, that's a shame because I like a good fake head as much as anybody. Mm-hmm. Not as much as I like real head, Mo. <laughs> High five. <laughs> up top. So the mask lady then goes in and stares at Tara because she is the last woman standing, but not standing, sitting because she's tied to like a pipe or something. Jesus. Uh, and then Jennifer is hiding around upstairs as she likes to do. Uh, and she watches as the mask lady um, uses a wheelbarrow to move a garbage bag full of, I guess, the body parts of pegs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see her drive off with after she puts the garbage bag in the trunk. She drives off to like this big field 
this is the uh, mask lady now. Mm-hmm. She piles wood on top of these garbage bags, pours gasoline on it, and sets it on fire. And I think this might be my favorite image in the movie. What the 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 fire? The fire with the mask lady just standing next to it. I think it's a really creepy, effective image. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's a ton of yeah. No, but the, I know there is, yeah. but that one's my favorite, Mo. All right, good. Good. Remember, for you. I told you before you watched it. Make sure to pick out your favorite image. Well, I, I did. No, I, I, sh- I didn't tell you to do that. Oh, uh, okay. Well, I I did anyway. Well, while that's happening, Jennifer goes down to torture Tara a little bit more, <clears throat> not physically, but mentally, and she's basically just talking about you know how good it feels to get revenge on her, um, and she also says. Something which I actually thought was really interesting, which is that in the long run, Jennifer putting her through this is actually going to help her because it's going to make her famous. And let's hear her explanation. I know you hate me. Probably even more than before. You might think I'm trying to kill you, but in all actuality, I'm helping you live. You said it yourself, Tara. This place is famous. Everyone in town, even the county, knows the story of this house. And later, even the county. After I go home, <laughs> and they find pieces of you scattered all over the place, the fame's only gonna get bigger. If every place that someone uh, hung themselves, hanged themselves, I should say, was was suddenly a famous place, then uh, like my hometown back in Newfoundland would have like 30 famous places. <laughs> Which is a really dark thing to say. That the, is super fucking dark. But the 80s were not a good time for Newfoundland. But yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, it does seem like, like the idea of getting basically even localized fame from just, well, I guess in her case, if like her, Tara and two of her friends were murdered by some chainsaw-wielding maniac, that would probably help with the fame level. Yeah, I mean... I, earlier in my notes, I had I had made uh, a little note to myself that the two big things that this movie lacked that really kind of needed was uh, there needed to be a scene at the beginning. And it could have just been the scene at the beginning where the girls are talking, where they introduce themselves. And uh, and uh, good one, Tara. Yeah, Thanks, pigs. Exactly. Exactly. That's all I fucking need. I'm Mindy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> she could just have a name tag on that just says, hello, my name is Mindy. That's such um, a Mindy thing to say. <laughs> oh, Mindy. Um, and then the other thing it needed was a little bit more exposition uh, backstory on like what happened with with the girl. I mean, and they go into it, but I mean, honestly, if this, if this house only, and I'm sort of agreeing with what you just said, if this house has this much notoriety, just because one person hung themselves in it, it just seems, is is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. Um, I don't do things the correct way. Um, but yeah, if that's the only reason, like, cause they say, they say, oh, this house created a monster. Right. But, what did the monster do? I mean, like, like there's no evidence of that. Like, there's no, you know, history of this woman in the skull mask killing people before. Like, that would have been one more element that would have made this whole thing more understandable. There's a lot of blanks that you have to fill in yourself. Yeah, and that's fine. I mean, I don't mind doing a little mental, you know, a little mental jogging, so to speak, uh, you know, for, for the sake of the film. And I don't mind the... Um, 
suspension of disbelief. All that's that's fine. I, I didn't. Mo was doing some mental jogging, which is why you had to have a nap before the show. Yeah, it's true. I'm very <laughs> I'm very exhausted. And let's hear some of that sweet synth music that plays now. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. There are a few moments of really great synth music, kind of Carpenter esque synthy stuff. Ooh. Wait for Jukebox Hero to start up. That one guitar! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But so that uh, synth music comes uh, comes on as Jennifer, who has – she's actually really degraded from um, period blood down f- to writing on the wall. Now she's just writing in the dirt to kill her and uh, and puts the truck in the dirt yeah. to f- finish this whole thing. Uh, at this point, uh, while the music is playing, you might have even heard it a little bit on that sound clip. There's some grunting going on. Uh, and that grunting is Tara, who is trying to escape from her bindings. And in the process, she breaks her own wrist in order which is, to. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty badass. Yeah. But you have to also re- remember, it's hard to get too emotionally invested in this because Tara is a fucking horrible person that you yeah. want to see die. Yeah, it's pretty sad when the most sympathetic character in the movie is the murderer. Yeah, right? Yeah. Which, I I mean, it is one of the things that this movie is playing with. But, you know, at this particular scene, it's hard to get too invested in it because it's like, boy, good for her for breaking her wrist. I hope she sees the other end of a chainsaw very soon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This, in fact, speaking of that, Tara, she like she gets out of the room that she's, she's tied up in, finds that, what was it called? A gym sling? A bob? A bill hook. Bill hook. Yeah. <laughs> she finds the bill hook and she grabs it, but then she sees a chainsaw and grabs that instead. All of that scene in Pulp Fiction where Bruce Willis is looking at all the different items on the wall that he can take. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that scene? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So she grabs a chainsaw and now she's running around the house um, with the running chainsaw saying things like, I know where you're hiding, bitch. Yeah, we get a we get a, a fun little. You can run, but you can't hide, bitch. Aw, <laughs> oh, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Out there, not in here. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so this would have been a great opportunity for Tara to try to get the fuck out of there. But instead, she's trying to find uh, Jennifer. Uh, and in fact, oh, and, she, and she finds her all right. She finds her. She goes up to the attic, the classic Jennifer hiding spot. But while she's in there, Jennifer comes up behind her, and they have a brief scuffle. And now we have an issue, Mo. <laughs> Yeah. We have an issue that I had with this movie that was unfortunately pretty significant because – and maybe our interpretations of this are slightly different. The movie glitches, right? Uh, yeah. There's like a, a frame jump. Like there's almost like a little piece cut from the movie. Uh, yeah. Am I saying things that are incorrect, Mo? No, no. I'm just trying to remember exactly what happens in this at this point. Because if I, if it's not in my notes, I don't fucking remember. Well, what uh, happens is they have like a little scuffle. And then the fucking screen goes all whacked out. And it's like there's some frames missing. And suddenly Tara has somehow fallen onto her own running chainsaw. Oh, you know what? I was – yeah. You know what? I, I must have filled in that part of the story by myself in my head because I was typing at, when that happened. Uh-huh. Um, and where the way they, the Vimeo player on this, just like, it was such a pain in the ass to rewind. So I probably didn't, um, I just, I did, I just downloaded the whole movie from Vimeo. Cause that's what I always do. Yeah, I should have. Um, what I just assumed happened was that, uh, was that Jennifer had hit her with the door 
and that she fell backwards onto her own chair. I, I didn't like how it was edited, but, and I was a little confused by it, but it doesn't really matter. I mean, we yeah. get to the point where Tara, her legs uh, fucked up. Yeah, that, she, yeah, they probably just wanted to put that little uh, Chainsaw Massacre uh, you know, style play on there. And then Jennifer picks up the chainsaw and revs it as she dances around <laughs> as the sun goes down. No, no. What happens is that Jennifer starts choking Tara yeah. uh, very closely, almost to death. She yeah. really chokes the shit out of her. She gets real close, but, uh, you know, the, the skull woman gets home. She gets home. Then Tara is basically crawling uh, around the house uh, with her leg and her wrist all fucked up at this point. Uh, she crawls into a room. Now, she's she's easy to find because she's crying out in pain as she's moving. Yeah, she's not making it very subtle at all as to where she is or where she's going. And, in fact, just to make it even more clear for her uh, her captor, she uh, she does some classic maniacal laughter. Let's have a little listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. That's that's maniacal, all right. And that's pretty much the end of that. <laughs> well, I mean, and as you said before, you know, Tara's been histrionic the, the entire film. So this, I did uh, use that word. Yes, yeah, it it fits her character pretty well. So Mask Lady, she comes into the room. Uh, there's actually a really awesome uh, crane shot where uh, where it yeah. kind of comes down outside. Like I don't know if it's actually a crane or it's a cherry picker or something, but they you know they were doing something there. Yeah, whatever it is, man, it works. Yeah, it's and, pretty cool. And we get the sound of the chainsaw, and theoretically, Tara is getting, you know, fucking killed. And then we see the mask lady. She takes off her boots, and Jennifer is watching all of this from a closet. And then she, like, undresses and gets into the bath. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is where Mo starts to feel confused. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, she's been killing people, but I still feel aroused. <laughs> I guess uh, 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 Brian also let me know that that the woman who we never get to see who plays no. the the mask woman, uh, the mask lady, she is actually was like the son of uh, sorry son the daughter, oh. uh, the da- I was gonna say the daughter of like a preacher or a, or a pastor or something like that, but I was thinking uh, son of a preacher man when I was <laughs> saying it, which is why I said that. <laughs> so. Um, while she is getting a bath, while the mask lady is getting a bath. By the way, there's a very there's a lot of inconsistency regarding who can hear things happening outside and who can't. It seems like sometimes a car pulling up makes enough noise that everybody in the house can hear it, but other right. times no one seems to hear it at all. <laughs> but uh, so a truck pulls up outside and a dude gets out, and this dude is looking for Tara, and this is probably Mo, Tara's boyfriend. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that's who it's supposed to be. Yeah. Also, the rapist of Jennifer. Which which would explain what's about to happen that I think you had some difficulty with. I didn't have any fucking difficulty, man. It seems like you didn't know what was going on. All right. Mo, maybe you should just stop watching movies. I, I should. Why don't you turn to books instead? I, I've been reading a lot. <laughs> well, there's your problem right there. Yeah. So this this movie is looped on itself. This is the opening scene again, except it's shot differently. Right? It's the same but different, yes. It's the same but different. We see someone grab... The skull mask. And we see a shot from the outside. Oh, see, I uh-huh. missed I missed the shot where somebody grabbed the mask. That's why. Okay, I get it now. It's because, all clicking. It's all clicking. So it's actually Jennifer who killed her rapist, 
while wearing the mask, she killed him with an axe, and that's how it happened. Yeah, and in fact, the, then the, the mask lady comes out after her bath, and she notices like the mask, and like the and she grabs a chainsaw and shit. Anyway, uh, but that's that's what's happening here. N- now something really strange happens. I don't really get what's happening now. I had two theories of what was supposed to be happening here. Okay, so um, we do see the car drives off again. I guess the the mask lady uh, has has like. Um, Put the body parts of the two corpses, Tara and her boyfriend, mm-hmm. put them in her like uh, trunk and drove off with them. Jennifer then – we see her grab some rope. And then we see the car break down on the side of the road, right? Yes. This does happen. Okay. Jennifer goes into the uh, basement and uh, grabs a cloth and she writes something in blood. Once again, she writes – blood that's on the ground this time. Yeah, this, this time she uses a puddle. And writes, join me on the wall. Yep. She goes into the attic with the rope and she starts to create a noose with it. But as she's hanging the noose, like she's like setting it up, the mask lady appears in the door and the movie ends. Yeah. That's what happens. So let's hear your theory first. Well, here's what I figured was happening. And I think – and the second of my two theories I think is much more likely the case. Um, So since – all right, so so theory one, and this is the one that I don't think was happening, <laughs> was, was that Jennifer was actually going to hang herself. Okay. And she was uh, hoping that the skull woman was going to do it as well. Right. Uh, that's what I don't think happened. I think that's a little too literal of an interpretation of it. What I think was happening is because she was talking – because Jennifer was talking earlier that she thinks that the skull woman thinks that she's her mother – and since her mother hung herself, I think she was just going to set up the uh, the the noose for the skull woman to hang herself, a la her mother. Right. That's what I think was happening. I, I think both of those are valid interpretations. And the right. fact is, because the car broke down, the skull woman ended up coming back a lot faster than right. Jennifer expected, which is why she ended up in the doorway. We don't know what happens after that, the movie is over. Movie ended, yeah. All right. So it's it's. I wouldn't say it's open ended, but I think both of your interpretations are valid, Mo. Mm. And in fact, until you explain that, I was actually leaning towards your first interpretation. But now that you say it, I think the second <laughs> one makes a lot more sense. <laughs> See, I add valued commentary to this episode to the show. Sometimes all that book learning you were doing has uh-huh. really paid off in this interpretatory skills. Yeah, I was reading the Artemis Fowl book, so it's not like. <laughs> It's not like I was doing any fucking deep reading. And then we get five minutes of credits in this uh, 70-minute movie, though I'm not complaining about the length. It is as long as it needs to be. It might even be a little bit longer than it really needs to be. This movie probably could have uh, been perfectly fine in 30 minutes because of the amount of plot it has. But right. there's so much striking imagery in it that right. I'm not going to complain. No, it, it's 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 one of the very few times where, where you're watching a movie and it – because because it's so slow burn, you know, mm-hmm. it never it never really, unfortunately, never really has that satisfying boil over moment, you know. Right. Uh, like what shit the- doesn't really go out. Like it doesn't get crazy. No, it's, it's always just like it's just boiling over a little bit, but yeah. it never really loses. It never goes off the chain, so to speak. Well, the the biggest the biggest detriment to this movie is the fact that, like visually speaking, like I want to compare it to House of the Devil so right. much. But House of the Devil has the most satisfying satisfying boil over moment like in any slow burn no ever, and uh, and it's just it's just so hard to compare it to that. But honestly, this is a this I thought this was a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's certainly worth the price of free that everyone <laughs> yeah, listening right now can exactly. go over to the website and check out right now. In fact, if you look up. 
Jennifer help us online. It'll bring you right to the website, and you can take a look and watch the movie yourself, as well you should, probably you should. with our commentary running in the background. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we go pretty much minute by minute. Uh, there's nothing of note, really, in the credits, except that the movie was proudly shot in Carrollton, Missouri, which is uh, probably why the cast is almost all super white. <laughs> very white, yes. <laughs> but that's it. Jennifer Help Us from 2015. Very worthwhile, I think. Yeah. It was I, it was a pleasure to watch because it was such an easy watch. Sometimes when we're watching these movies, there's just <laughs> – this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment. But there's sometimes so much happening that it can be really difficult to take notes. This one, it was simple. We, I was taking notes as I was watching. And I had no problem at all. Yeah, I think I only had to pause maybe like twice. Take a whiz, probably, Mo. Yeah, one of them was definitely to take a pee break. Pee break. Uh, but uh, but yes. No, thank you so much, uh, Craig Berger, for contributing both to the Patreon campaign and suggesting Jennifer help us to us. I want to mention at this point that um, that that <laughs> Brian – did I say Brian a moment ago or did I say someone else's name? I Honestly, I wasn't paying that much attention. I want to mention now that Brian I'm Berger – the worst human being. <laughs> well, I'm the one who forgot his fucking name <laughs> and I've been actually communicating with – okay, it's Brian. Uh-huh. So I do I do want to mention at this point that uh, Brian just recently mentioned, just actually a little bit before we started recording, that they are about to launch a Kickstarter campaign for a sequel to Jennifer Help Us. Yes. Now, uh, I'm very interested to see what sort of materials they already have put together. I haven't seen anything on it. But we'll certainly link over on the No Budget Nightmares Facebook group and uh, on the notes to this episode if it's launched in time that uh, that where you can go and contribute to that. I know some listeners of the show, uh, in anticipation of this episode, watch the movie. Uh, the feedback I got was actually incredibly positive, and I think a lot of people are curious about Moe's and my own reaction to it. Mm. So if you enjoy Jennifer Help Us and do want to support the efforts for a sequel, uh, that Kickstarter should be launching fairly soon. Yeah, I mean, and they've got to raise the 600 to $800 for an iPhone 6. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> got to upgrade a little bit. Now, if I had to make one recommendation for the sequel, maybe it would be to not do the grain, the fake film grain. Yeah, if you can get away with it. If you can get away with it, yeah. hey, you know what? It's it's your decision to make. It's not like yeah. back on Hobo with a Trash Can where you had that segment which nobody wanted to see. And also, <laughs> if you're going to do some POV shots, lose the, lose yeah, the don't, eye holes. Don't do the eye holes. <laughs> but aside from that, I'm looking forward to a possible sequel to Jennifer Help Us. Maybe they can raise a budget of more than $1,000 to make it. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, for, for I mean, seriously, for $1,000, I mean, this movie looks like a million bucks. So, Yeah. Yeah. But not, not that a million bucks is that much for a movie these days. No, it's not. That's what I'm saying. It's like, <laughs> but, but it looks, but it looks like a significantly higher budget movie than it was. Mo, what will we be watching on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares? Oh. We got to watch something special, man. Oh, then we picked the wrong movie. No, uh, <laughs> we, we have no great, great title though. We have, uh, we have the uh, movie entitled "Weasels Rip My Flesh" from 1979. Weasels Rip My Flesh, directed and written by Nathan Schiff. It's a horror, sci-fi, low-budget, gore classic that I have never seen. So I'm very curious. So, yeah. 1979's Weasels Rip My Flesh on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares. Mo. Yeah. Where can people find out more information about No Budget Nightmares? Well, I mean, if they want to. You know, they... <laughs> you said that real weird. Yeah, I certainly did. <laughs> if they want to, they can go on to uh, Facebook. Uh, it's facebook.com slash groups. I love that site. Yes, <laughs> slash groups, slash no budget nightmares, one word. Right, or just do a search for no budget nightmares on 
Facebook. You can also go over to NoBudgetPodcast.com. Why don't you subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher? Or why don't you just take a look online and find out about all of our back information about No Budget Nightmares? Sorry? I'm just laughing at you, man. Me? I kind of lost control there. What I meant to say was go over to NoBudgetPodcast.com and check out all of our archives, all of our older episodes, all of our classics, and listen to a few of those as you're catching up. You can also, of course, listen to all of Rue's amazing No Budget Nightmares songs, which we're hoping one will end this very episode. Rue's been incredibly busy recently. He really uh, has, but uh, hopefully... But hopefully, I got my fingers crossed because I want to hear a Jennifer help us song. If yeah, he doesn't, really hear Jennifer if he help. doesn't make one, I'll make one. All right, go, Jennifer, help us! <laughs> whoop whoa, whoop whoop whoa, dip 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 wow. Um, but yes, on the next episode, we will be covering weasel weasels rip my flesh. Oh, Mo, they can also find us on Twitter. <laughs> What what the hell? You know, it's like it's almost like this episode was a slow burn. And we're, <laughs> we're boiling over now. Mo, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, probably not. Uh, <laughs> I haven't been on there in ages. Uh, I'm I'm on Twitter at drunk on VHS, and I am at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. Mo, do you have any strange vapes in the can for us? No, I've I honestly. I haven't even been thinking about about doing the show. Uh, at some point, I'll pick it up again. It's just not. I'm so fucking broke that I hear you, man. Like just the idea of like I haven't even bought liquid for myself, let alone liquid for the show. So I'm just not even bothering. Well, you can still check out Mo's older episodes. It's yeah, I mean, there's there's a there's a you know a dozen and a half decent episodes you know sitting on. Sitting on YouTube, it's just do a search for strange vapes. They're up there. Check them all out. Get yourself caught up before Mo Beth gets some more juice. And yeah. let's loose. The juice is loose, as they say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that has to do with OJ, but it still applies. Wow. <laughs> hey, it's timely. It's timely once again. <laughs> uh, you can find my other podcast, Eric Roberts is the fucking man at ericrobertsistheman.com. The most recent episode, just released the day that we're recording this, features friend of No Budget Nightmares, John Cross. As oh. our special guest, yes, talking about Uwe Boll's assault on Wall Street, as well as Shannon's Rainbow, a.k.a. Amazing Racer, which is a family horse racing movie, which is heartwarming and features all sorts of weird actors like Steve Gutenberg and Tom Atkins and fucking um, Louis Gossett Jr. and Michael Madsen and Daryl Hannah. It's a really strange movie. On, ne- on Netflix right now. Just say, I, might, I, might have to, I might have to watch that. Yeah, you actually it, – it's worth watching just because of how crazy the fucking cast is and how how it seems like someone cries in every single goddamn scene. <laughs> but uh, I guess, you know, it is family-friendly, which is, is not a lot of movies I watch are. Mo, have you seen anything interesting lately? Dude, I've watched – I've been keeping track of how many movies I know. I've, I've watched for the year so far, and I'm I'm like into the 70s Holy already. Shit, actually, it's yeah, crazy. It's 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 really insane. But yeah, man, I watched. Uh, you know, I watched a few things. I I had the weirdest realization the other day. I don't like no budget movies. <laughs> no, no, you're gonna you're, you're gonna you're gonna think me crazy for this. Oh, okay. In in all seriousness, I realized the other day that there is a classic out there that I've never seen before. What? 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 Yeah, 
And, uh, and I, I had done a huge list. This probably would have been about five years ago at this point where I wrote, I made a huge list of all the movies that I like that I should have seen, like my, my regret master pile, so to speak. And this movie never made it to it because I for, just completely forgot about it. But it dawned on me the other day that I had never seen Raging Bull. What? Yeah. So, so, uh, so I started watching it the other day. I got caught up in something else, so I couldn't finish it. So I'm going to finish <laughs> that at some point in the near future. I'm really enjoying it. I'm only about a half an hour in, but I'm only, I'm really enjoying it. It's, it seems like it's going to be very depressing, but, um, well, you're really going to love that Stargate sequence. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's, I mean, that's great. I mean, we all have movies like that that we, yeah. we should have watched a long time ago, but just but, yeah. didn't because we had to watch Weasels Rip My Flesh and stuff. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, yeah, I've watched a ton of fucking movies uh, in the last few months or in the last month and eight days or whatever the hell it is at this point. Um, you know, I mean, nothing particularly of note. I watched uh, Lady Hawk. <laughs> That's of note? Yeah, I guess. With a young Eric Stoltz. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Stoltz? Isn't Eric Stoltz in that? Matthew Broderick? Matthew Broderick. What's the one yeah. that has Eric Stoltz in it? I don't know. Mask. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Mask. <laughs> Yeah, Matthew Broderick. That's right. Well, uh, I, unlike yourself watching classics like Raging Bull, I watched the anthology shot on video movie Scary Tales uh, about a week and a half ago. Um, I've started writing a column over at Daily Grindhouse where, by the way, you can find some of my writing called The Video Toaster, which gives me an opportunity to watch a lot of the low budget and odd stuff that I haven't watched before that was in my collection because I've been spending so much time on low budget movies, but scary any, tales, any excuse to not spend time with the misses. There you go. <laughs> uh, but scary tales from 93 is an anthology movie. Actually, it would fit very well on no budget nightmares. It's completely fucking ridiculous. Sometimes the sound is like the whole opening sequence of the movie. There's a music playing and you can't hear anything that people are saying, but it's a three story uh, almost a, um, a Twilight Zone-ish stories, of course, with the twist endings and shit. Uh, but they're all three of them are a lot of fun, and they're violent, of course, like super violent. And uh, if you can track it down, Scary Tales is worth your time. It also has one of the best covers of any movie in history. It's just a person in this weird skull costume just standing there. Uh, nice. You actually, uh, I, I posted it enough that you would probably recognize it if I, if I showed it to you. No, no. I remember when you, when you posted the last, uh, I, I think you posted about it not too long ago. And uh, so I saw it there. And I also just saw uh, two days ago. No, it was yesterday. I saw, what did I see? I should know this. Oh, I saw the new Coen brothers movie. Uh, Hail Caesar. Oh, was it good? I liked it a lot, but I like nice. Coen Brothers comedies. I know not everybody does. No, but I, I love do. I love Burn After Reading, and yeah. of course I love Raising Arizona. Yeah, which no, I, I just watched the other night. You know, John Cross doesn't like Raising Arizona. Does he? <laughs> Fuck him. Oh, that <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> but anyway, no, I loved Hail Caesar, and it's uh, if you like the Coen Brothers, which you should. I mean, what the fuck's wrong with you? If you don't, uh, you'll probably like it too. But some people didn't. Some people did not like it. Oh, you know what else I watched? This will be the last movie I mentioned. Uh-huh. Uh, what else I watched not too long ago that uh, would also fit on this show probably. Um, I, I want to say it's Australian. It might be New Zealand, but I think it's Australian. <laughs> it's, I don't want to make that mistake again. Yeah. Um, it's it's called The Strangeness. The Strangeness? Yeah, it was... Uh, Are you sure you're not thinking of The Whackness? No, no, I'm definitely not thinking <laughs> of The Whackness. No, it's, this is about a, a bunch of... Uh, miners who get trapped in a cave and they start getting attacked by this. Well, you mean like 12 year olds? 
no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Funny. <laughs> uh, no, no. My miners, not oh. my not minors. Forty uh, niner. Yeah, forty niners. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's ridiculous. But there's some really sort of inventive stop motion animation. Oh, in really? It. it was it was goofy enough to keep it fun. Um, and they're all Australian, so there's just beer jokes and boobs and stuff, and it's that sounds it, really cool, actually. And it's <laughs> and it's and it's super low budget, like it's it's really super low budget. Well, I will check that out, Mo. But with that said, we've used up all of our valuable time. <laughs> my 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 computer is rapidly filling up. <laughs> the oxygen level in this room is getting dangerously low. Just like those young miners. <laughs> They're running out of oxygen. Uh, but no, we are out of time. On the next episode of No Budget Nightmares, this podcast, we're going to be covering Weasel's Rip My Flesh from 1979. We're going in the way back machine for that one. Mm-hmm. Back, so, to the, back to the year of my birth. That's right. <laughs> Weasel's Rip My Flesh and Mo from 1979 <laughs> on the next episode of No Budget Nightmares coming soon. Good night, everybody. Good night.